0: I think the NFA funder, Amadou they have all but destroyed Nigerian
1: football. Felt, honest, I've always felt that the salaries that the clubs pay players are crazy and unrealistic. The word we have tried to use so many times. We have tried not to use so many times, but we have to use. It. Again, shame on you. This is Sports 360. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Sports 360 Podcast. We'd like to thank you for joining us. It promise to be a very, very exciting episode today because... We have a few interesting topics to serve to you. Yemi Adesan is here and Bode is still a wool in the United (laughs) States of America. Um, So, um, the World Cup qualifiers start um, in the next few days and that's our starting point with the Nigerian uh, national team, the Super Eagles. They've been to every World Cup since 1994 except 2006. Yep, that's 94, 98, 2002, 2010, 2010. 2014, 20, That's six out of the last seven World Cups. And another quest to qualify for the 2022 in Qatar begins game. with two games in the next one week against Liberia at home and convert away in the first round of the qualifiers. Now, the the the, the question for me is this: for a country that's been to six of the last seven World Cups, do we have what we can call a World Cup legacy? Hmm. Is there any aspect of our football that this, our constant and consistent appearance at the World Cup has impacted in such a way that we can say, oh, this is as a result of us going to the World Cup severally? I've thought about it. I've ruminated on it. Honestly, I can't see it. But Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's something I'm not seeing. That's why I mean you guys are more of an you yeah, means more of an expert in the business side, but they know the local scene very well. So maybe you guys can put more light on this. Is there something we can call our World Cup legacy? Because I get the impression we just go for this World Cup. We get to the second round, sometimes get knocked out in the first round, we come back. Uh it's business as usual, and then we go again. When is another qualifier, which is what we're doing right now. How has the World Cup appearances impacted our football? Yemi, me? let me start with you. That's a very interesting way to start <laughs> this podcast episode. Um, it's a, it's, World Cup participation has become more like a vicious cycle, okay, for us. Um, it is what a lot of, it is what has determined the the lifespan of. Sports. NFF boards mm. in Nigeria over the you know the last few years since 1994. Um, I would say going to World Cup has been a gift and at the same time it's been a curse for us. It's been a gift in the sense that it's allowed Nigeria you know showcase itself properly to the outside world on the biggest stage. It's been a curse because we have failed to grab those dividends that qualifying for the World Cup or attending several World Cups ordinarily should, ordinarily should um, give us. So, uh, legacy, if you term legacy, I think two different people, different people have different definitions of legacy. Okay. If you are another FF board member, just qualification is a legacy. So the During guy, my time. During my time. We went to the World Cup. So, the guys are that were present in 2006, they <laughs> have a tainted legacy. Mm, because, because didn't they, go didn't go, they didn't go to the World Cup so um, it's in terms of correlation, yes maybe on the financial side, yes money has come in okay. on different sides coming to the NFF uh, both from FIFA corporate sponsorship mm. money has come to the clubs by virtue of releasing their players to play for the national team so, I'm talking to local teams now. The likes of Pillars, Inba, that probably had players going mm, to the World Cup. To the the World Super Cup yeah. So, money has come into the domestic scene. Um, it's, it's brought about, a, there's a media frenzy, there's a lot of money rolling around mm, within mm, media circles. Yeah, yeah. So, on that basis, I can say yes, there's been an impact. But if I'm talking a lasting impact, that for generations. A legacy. Because <laughs> a legacy is something that stands the test of, of time. time. Yeah. I will say no. Yeah. Mm. I can't, I can't, I'm, I'm scratching my head. I'm digging deep into my mind. I can't find it. I can't point to it. Okay, buddy, uh, let me put the same question to you. Is there something, is there an aspect of our football that the our, our consistent work of appearance parents has impacted in such a way that you can say, yes, this is the legacy of the Super Eagles constantly going to the World Cup?
0: Um, like me said, things that I have not retreat. Really uh, uh, yes, the, the legacies are there, legacies in But from a from local, from a home football point of view, I think qualifying um, for the World Cup, because those, uh, uh, those qualifications and those events have not been managed well. It has blighted our, our local football seriously uh, f- from that time that we mentioned if you look at it you have seen uh, uh, the quality of management the quality of participation by fans the quality of the arenas where games are played uh and the quality of media coverage of nigerian league we have seen it being sold down year after year because attention is focused on the players that are abroad, and, um, uh, and 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 the leagues where they play, more than on uh, local football, and this is caused by what Jeremy mentioned. Something that should have been a uh, um, on joy, the money coming in. The money coming in has meant that only officials get the benefit of saying we have earned something we have gained something i start to be corrected but i think what the world what aquifer for the world cup has done has done in, in, the, in the past years is that it has created super officials who have become richer who have become more present in the media who have, have become more powerful and larger than life and we have watched administration after administration as officials become more powerful and create more ways of being more powerful and, become, and, and becoming more relevant in world politics than in developing the local, local league. So while the World Cup has been a blessing of sorts, it has, been more, it has been more of a curse as far as legacy is concerned. There are nations that have, that have built lasting programs and monuments from the financial rewards of participating at that global tournament. In, in, in the case of Nigeria, Nigeria it has not been the, it has not been the same, and this is where that argument that you are always making, that them is always making, that I'm always always making, that there was there was able to integrate uh, um, uh, uh, home based players in the Eagles. Look, I, I've some people You guys are not quite when when, when, when when it when it comes to basketball and to these players. And I and I, I repeat again, on like football where you can go with the team players and not play three or four. In basketball, everybody must play. The depth of the team is crucial. that they said that basketball is another case entirely we'll, we'll get to basketball later because they seem, they seem to be, uh, because of the uh, incidents that, that have happened in the past, they seem to not have that direction, like I said, it's a, it's a case for another day. But as far as Nigerian football is concerned, the legacy has more of pain enjoy Yes, we live in those moments of the World Cup. Here we, you know, Nigeria is there. We, 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 we cheer. We, 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 part- we, we are participating. We the first week or the, the first ten days, but Nigeria cannot no doubt. And then we are back to ground zero, and then we are hoping again. The, the, now we're hoping again, like let me say, the South Cross Country, the World Cup qualifiers are here. We are looking towards towards uh, towards going to the World Cup, but our league has ended. There are complaints from. The last days of the league, there should be plans. We should start plans on what the next season will, will be like and how how it will be better than, than the last season. All of us watch the premiership. Before the season started, as soon as the last season ended, the pandemic season that, that all of us witnessed, they started making plans and started giving us of what to expect in the next season. And those plans have been have been actualized. But as far as our football is concerned, the only plans we make that we see that that are followed 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 through uh, with with any season. Uh, the plans for the World for and the World Cup, but the, but, but, the, but but the league that that is the bread and butter. Nothing is done. So for me, it, it, for the World Cup has has, li- has left uh, um, uh, a lot of uh, as much as it is a, a thing of joy to to, to to sing Nigerian anthem during this brief World Cup appearances. The aftertaste of it has the most sour and sweet.
1: Okay, buddy. I am Yemi there's usually a financial windfall that comes with qualifying for the World Cup and getting to a certain stage and all of that. And um, you expect that once that financial windfall comes, there has to be, the funds have to be funneled or channeled into specific projects. And I struggle to see anything like that. We have some countries, you were telling me that Morocco has three footballing sectors of excellence. A couple of other countries have. First of all, you did we did a research. Let the audience know how much money we have actually accumulated from all the world we've gone to in terms of uh financial payouts from FIFA to Nigerian football. I think first of all, we need to make it clear to the audience to know that for Nigeria and probably Nigeria is probably the only country that probably has three sources of revenue. Mm in going to the World Cup. The three sources include, one, the FIFA win for, mm. two, corporate sponsorship, because at every World Cup qualification, you mm. get corporate Nigeria mm. through tons of money at the Super Egos, which we never know the figures, of right? And of, the, of course, Federal Government money, mm. money that comes from Federal government. So three direct sources of income. Now, so the, the one we're we'll only focus on is the FIFA win for. Now, as the World Cup has mm. grown, Every four years, FIFA has consistently increased the pool of money that comes into the World Cup. Now, as far back as 1994, when we made our first appearance, we got half a million dollars. Dollars, okay. Now, at that time, FIFA didn't used to pay new preparation money, which they call guarantee payment. They didn't used to pay that. So we, we got knocked out in the round of 16, half a million dollars. So by 1998, the French uh, World Cup, we got $1.1 million from FIFA because we got to the round of 16 again. Now, in 2002, we got to the group stage. We got out of the group stage. We got knocked out of the group stage. We got $1.3 million. However, you got a $100,000 guarantee payment, which is supposed to be for training and whatever. Mm -hmm. Then in South Africa in 2010, we got $6 million for being knocked out in the group stage again. So look at that astronomical right. rise mm. in the space of eight years. Note that we missed the 2006 World Cup, mm. but we also got half a million dollars in guarantee payment. The next World Cup was 2014. We got knocked out in round 16 by France. We got $9 million, guarantee payment of $1 million. So that's total $10 million for that campaign. Now, in Russia, we got our group state, we've got $8 million and $1.5 million guarantee payment. Now, note, in total, that's about $22.9 million. This is money from FIFA alone. Directly to Nigeria. Directly to Nigeria. So, and now, we've not spoken about money is going to the clubs. To the clubs for, for the players. The players mm. at the mm. uh, but the the and super like also clearly stated before, the, the money that comes from the it's federal government, government is not part, it's of, not it. part of it. Money the money that money comes from corporate sponsors, sponsors is not part of it. Now, you're talking about institutional legacies. Morocco has three football centers of excellence. Algeria has two. Um, Egypt, of course, we know the infrastructure that Egypt has. It's, it's clear for everybody to see. South Africa in 2010, after hosting the World Cup, set up a foundation a legacy foundation on the 2010 World Cup that has continued to impact South Africa till tomorrow and its people. I think Ghana too, I think, but they might be able to correct me on that one. I think Ghana too also did something similar with their World Cup win for from 2006 to, I think they were in 2006 or in 2010, I think they were in 2014. They were able to do that. But Nigeria, nothing. No football, school of excellence, No Football Development Center. I've also said that we've had enough money over the years to build accommodation that can be run by any of the big hotel chains across the world in Abuja. Right? And the team will resume there. Anytime they have a match. All national teams Mm. will be there in the training camp, like you have in St. George's for England. Mm. And then, if the Super Eagles are not playing, the players can still make revenue but the like LFF, other, other countries can come and other countries can clubs can come and do their pre season summer training, you know, hot weather training in Nigeria because you have a proper standard facility that is run by one of the biggest hotel chains. Mm. You know, don't want to mention them on this show. So these are some of the things we could have done with these monies that we can't put together the entire quantum, but we have not done that. Buddy, uh, it's a staggering uh, figure, $22.9 million over the last 20, 27 years, years uh, from FIFA directly to the NFF. To be fair, this NFF board got paid once, 2018. Yes. At the World Cup. Hopefully, maybe they'll get paid 20, 20, where, where they should have left by like 2022 because the World Cup is no, in, they No, they won't do that election after The World <laughs> okay. Cup can't right. So, <laughs> buddy. For that these uh Yemen's figures have just buttressed my point. This money, this amount is a staggering amount. Roughly twenty three million dollars. Where is the money? How has the money impacted our football? How has it impacted the local league? How has it improved infrastructure, even if it's just training infrastructure? How has it impacted development in terms of maybe centers of excellence or football development centers and all that? What have we done with this continuous FIFA windfall? I can't see anything.
0: Um, there, there is a saying when the purpose is not known, or when the purpose of something is not known, abuse is inevitable. You hmm. are sitting in front of a, of, a, of a microphone, if you don't know what the microphone is for, you can use it to be grabbed in a small motor. You can use it to be uh, you, 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 you. can use it to be stirring, uh, to be stirring soup. You know. See, the first step towards actualization is to understand and make plans for something that you're expecting or something that you have. All these people that Yemi mentioned, they had a dream, and like you said about Ghana, the moment. Ghana started surging at the World Cup. Even before they came home, they said it clearly. You no know, respecting money. What you plan to do is build a training center for national teams. They said it clearly. And then when they got the money, they said, oh, we have received the money. And I and did you remember that? On our show that yeah. year, we said it openly. Yeah. On Sport Express. Ghana received money. Where is our own money? Because we, like, we never know when this money is paid. Everybody just goes in other countries, that oh, we have received the money and this is what we are going to do with it. We never know because of the things that we, that they plan to do with the money. And and that's the first step. The other thing is that when this inquisition or this question about uh, what the money is used for, when it starts getting uh, getting loud la- we get, oh, we have a list of programs. National team has to play this. Um, and we have to pay these, the players. Meanwhile, anyway, like Yemi mentioned, there are three sources of income. So why is it that when we talk about what the money is used for, the first thing we hear is players' bonuses. In fact, to make it hard for you and I to ask questions, we hear, oh, we are broke, we are borrowing money, oh, we are in debt, oh, we have to pay salaries. How much salaries are we talking about? How many people are working in the NFL? That's the salary that, oh, we have own, own staff salaries. Oh, We have to pay our coaches. I, for one, I'm happy that the big soccer, um, uh, the national team bit soccer has been has been has been uh has been scrubbed. Let me let me make it clear. I'm happy because when that team was 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 released, remember? I, I think the first a walk up. They started complaining about not having funds, and we say clearly: look, it is not every tournament that you have to go to. Yeah. For the purpose of developing the things you have, you give some a miss. Let that generation of players that have missed it, let them benefit from something else that you are doing at home. If and when we build a viable beach soccer league, like other, other nations have done, because again, we were one of the first nations in Africa to start playing at the World Cup and to consistently go to the to, uh, to World Cup. Other nations who didn't qualify, they started playing. So uh, they, they started. Uh, we did not. Again, everything was built around just qualifying for the World Cup. And so I'm happy that maybe they're getting reset. Maybe they've ended it. We don't know. That's another case entirely. Because so when you are scrapping, you say, okay, oh, we are scrapping this thing, But this is what you are going to do next. Nothing. We just said, oh, it has been scrapped, and that was it. So what it means is that anytime. There is no, uh, um, uh, 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 instead of thinking through problems, we either just throw it out or just we'll do something else that has to be on what we should be. Look, do. Look, Deji, the fact of the case is that until, as a people, and I'm talking about every aspect, until there is accountability, until there are precautions the for um, uh, that impact on a general society of those, of people who are made accountable for what they are doing. We are going to keep having this com- these types of conversations. because, like like I've noted many times, you can't expect football to be run well, or sports to be run well. One other things are not doing well. It's the same thing across across board. So for me, like you yeah. have also noted severally, sports and football is just a micro microcosm micro of, 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 of the general society. If we have people that are asking questions, like like serious people do, that are auditing constantly, if we have them, then people that are the, the people that receive that receive this money, they will tell us that with the money, and will make progress.
1: Okay, the figures are staggering indeed. Um, when Yemi came up with the figures, I was totally stunned. I was expecting something like seven to ten million dollars. Uh, it was indeed $22.9 million. And, um, from where I'm sitting, I honestly can't see the impact. I honestly can't see. You go to the NFL office in Abuja. It's not world class. It's not, um, you know, you cannot see the NFL glass house. What that money has gone into. There's no development center. There's no football center of excellence. There is no foundation. Like you said, South Africa have. There's no legacy. So even if we qualify for this next World Cup, which we're, we're praying for the Spike to qualify, hopefully they will. But if they, whether they do or whether they do, they do not, it doesn't seem to have any impact on local football. And, um, it's really very, very disappointing and very, very saddening to note. Um, okay. That dovetails into our next topic, which is about Nigerian football club sides and, um, on the continent, because, okay, if we started going to the World Cup from 1994, <laughs> Till now, you would have expected that somehow, maybe our local club sides would, their, their, their quality would, will, will be raised. Their impact on the continent would be better. But unfortunately, we can't, we, we can't report much. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are now like, the generation that watched the shooting stars and the Rangers win Copernicus Cups in 76 and 77. Mm-hmm. And I remember in 1975, Rangers did get to the final of the, uh, Champions Cup which is what you call the Champions League now and you know we've had a few Nigerian club sides do well uh, in some of those competitions but from um, you can remember uh, what's his name now Shaibu Abundu's team yeah, BCC Lions winning the Copernicus Cup in 87 I think it was I remember Stars got to the final of the Champions League Bega there, thereabouts not some clubs but since the turn of the century since the turn of the century, I remember before the turn of the century, um, Shooting Stars also got to the final. Station Rise got to the final. eighty one, won Leventis in 85. That was the Cup Winners' Cup. Uh, Ranchers Bees in 88. Uh, Bendel Insurance, there was 89. Business Lions won it in 1990. Beg your pardon, not 87 1990. They lost in the final in 1991. Jules Vega lost in the final twice. Uh, 95 and 2003. But since the essentially of the century, the only team that has put our name on the winner's chart in the continent or the continent has been named their back to back wins almost 20 years ago now <laughs> in 2003 and 2004. So, Yemi, something is not right. If we can, if we can do so well at the time when we thought our football was not developed, and the likes of the Rangers and the Shooting Stars business lions were doing well on the continent. Even the stationary soldiers and Julius Vega were getting into finals and all of that. I will now come to the turn of the century where we're supposedly a more footballing country, and we can see that the teams that are dominating the North Africans are dominating. Al ali have won 10 Champions Leagues, uh, they won the last two. The teams that are dominating are the same teams that you mentioned that have had this infrastructure and legacy project to improve their football. So there is a link somewhere. <laughs> so it just dovetails what we're saying. What is the problem with club side football? Why we just can't, we know there are lots of problems. I'll ask that question. Um, that makes them uh, perform poorly when they go out because of some of these situations. But what exactly do you think? Well, can you pinpoint the problem? Ah. <sighs> the the problem is don't forget, I there, plenty, there are plenty <laughs> plenty plenty problems um, it's interesting to me because you know I've, I've been thinking to myself and, and I asked one question I said really why Why do we bother going on the continent yeah. why do we because it's so no, obvious Anybody <laughs> eh, makes some money this year I mean sorry I say Ehimba somebody makes some money Anyba? Eh, right? eh, have eh, continued to use this day. almost 20 years eh, Cav Champions victory mm. To run the mill, they've used it so for so long, and even yeah, it's been one of the reasons why we've kept a certain level, stayed on a a particular position in coefficients across the country because of any performances. But it's not enough for a country this size, we should be achieving a lot more, but we're not. Why? Because one, we're not responsible, we're not doing those things responsible in what way, responsible in all ways. Responsible with respect to our infrastructure, responsible with the way we recruit players, responsible with the way we do our business in terms of commercials, even with the way we spend the money that we supposed to. On the radio show a few about a year ago, we had David Looney, the chairman G, uh, chairman of Rangers, telling us that it's not profitable to play on the continent, and he said that because his his whole focus was based on the prize money, and I felt that's a completely wrong. An irresponsible mindset. mindset to focus only on prize money. There's so much you can do. We're playing on the continent, but our Nigerian teams don't do that. And the problem is, look at the recruitment. We now recruit 3rd rated players from Western Africa, unlike in the 80s where you had the likes of Edouard Nsah, Ghanaian number one, uh, yeah. Atomosis a stationary striker for uh, Ghana. You had Jeremy uh, Frimpong. Mm-hmm. playing at AIMBA, in that AIMBA team, who were, who were internationals. You had internationals from across West Africa playing for our teams. But now, what are we doing? We're recruiting third-rate players from across West Africa. How do we want to compete against an al that last time out, they spent 35 million million just to win their 10th Calf championship? The golfing class is huge. Mm. The, 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 the level that those guys are operating, the guys in North Africa is operating, is eons away from where we are. And that's because they have a purpose. They have an idea of where they are going, their trajectory. Alali wanted to get a new manager. They wanted to go in a different direction. They went for Piso money They paid him a trunkload of money because of the profile that he has across African football. When Caterpillars realized that. They couldn't use the coach that brought them on the continent because he doesn't have a cafe license. What did they do? They formed a committee to, a, to, to appoint a coach. Who does that? So that's part of the responsibility. because if you are going to play at this level, those guys in North Africa have pushed the envelope and they've broken the glass ceiling. They've raised the bar so high um, that it's so difficult for us to reach there because one, no football development plans. We don't we're not doing anything with coaching. Aqua United are qualified. I'm gonna have a problem with coaching. Because I don't I'm I'm correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think has a cafe license. And that's a problem already. Brewing. I could be wrong that it doesn't have, but that's a problem brewing already. And I'm sure it's when it's getting close to the time that Aqua United will start running shelter, 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 to try and solve that problem. That those are some of the issues. Okay. But I you get the feeling that the lack of a proper structure, the lack of accountability, the lack of um, uh, abiding and enforcing the rules locally, which we have talked about several times, has a huge impact because it's like, <laughs> if you are not trained properly, like they say in Yoruba, if you are not trained properly at home, quote unquote, you'll be trained <laughs> on the road. So, we are not properly geared up to compete properly from home. So, when we get to the continent, it's obvious we falter. For instance, I think it's even improved a little bit. Away wins. Almost like uh, the Holy Grail <laughs> in Nigerian football, local league. So, you get the impression when Nigerian teams are on the continent, when they go away, they don't even expect to win mm. because that mindset is there that it's tough to win away. What do you think, buddy?
0: The, the, the thing is that for, for the, the lack of success, the recent lack of success on, on the continent, there, there are so many reasons, so many. Uh, those things you have mentioned, of course, um, uh, it, it's a huge part of it. Um, because, for one, I don't believe that we have had a true champion of the league in a while. Because of all the shenanigans that goes into uh, that goes into all, all these matches, um, you hear about something like ah, are the money. That the travel with money, of course. look make of that what what you will. And then uh, there's there's also the uh, um, like you said uh, the, the the lack of of um safe officiating. When well, you officials have to make decisions based on what's in front of them. Sometimes and sometimes make decisions and and, and and call matches based on uh, based on influences that are not sporting. But apart from all that, it, you, and also, you and I also know that football follows all our footballers. Footballers follow the money. Uh, and the moment uh, players decided that you know what? it's better, I'm playing in Afghanistan or in Malaysia, where I can earn foreign currency, convert. And be an instant millionaire than play in a league where I'm not sure I'll get paid. Also, remember that uh, because of the economic downturn and because of the failing power of the Naira, a lot of teams and a lot of clubs uh, and a lot of states who fund these teams, they've had to pull back a bit. And so, players are old salaries. And so, in, in, in their bid to be economically uh, free, a lot of our best players keep moving abroad that has also impacted let me mention that we are now recruiting a uh, third um uh, west africa which is true you know again football football is the money why would the uh, uh, a developing uh, the best player in ghana or the republic come and play nigeria if you also can go to malaysia or go to or, or, or go to Qatar? why would you want to come to nigeria and play when you he will not get top dollar why, 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 why would a Nigerian go to play in Egypt? The best, one of the, the great, great, Nigerian players go play in Egypt when they are guaranteed a payment in dollars. And so, for me, apart from everything that you have mentioned, it's also important to, uh, to, point, out, uh, to point, point out that football, footballers follow the money, and it's, uh, it's going to keep happening because, again, um, uh, we could have we could have prevent, prevented that by doing the things you mentioned. Because when you when you build from the grassroots, and you have a good system in place, a single player can turn the fortunes of a club around. Yeah. A single player, because you develop you develop a player like because of an Anayo Anayo. Igualo. Igualo. Yeah. If you can get five six, players, five six players like that from the club, and and you sell them abroad with good you make good money and when you make good money and you run the club well you can keep paying for the best and and that, that was why uh almost several years ago the lmc under um the their first chairman when they said look every team must have a good side that like they play a league of their own that was said They are a on implementing it here we are several years later we haven't seen yeah, the last pretty hasn't seen the last day and that is where you have know players that can make sense to sell abroad to keep funding what you have. Because, hey, if a player can make three, four, four thousand dollars $4,000 per month in the Nigerian League, why would he want to go abroad? Look, others like they like enjoying, they, 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 they enjoy playing at home, they enjoy being around their families. But if they can't get paid well for what they do at home, they go abroad. And when they go abroad, the quality drops. When the quality drops, it shows up for the continent leader. It's as simple as that.
1: So it's a, there are different layers to to the challenge. But one theme running through what we're discussing today is the fact that, like last week we discussed about the Olympics and planning ahead and all of that. There have, there just has to be a plan. There just has to be a plan. Some have suggested that, Ali, for instance, you could have a model... There the, the are professional clubs who have a model of developing and selling, selling. players. Yeah. Grab a model like I has gone for half a million dollars. Not a lot of money in international circles. So think of a situation where you develop players and you are able to sell five to ten players every season for between a million and two million dollars, which is not a lot of money on the international scene. But, but look imagine you have five, ten million dollars coming to the local scene. No, transfers on transfers alone. On transfers alone. You know, and also we we know the fact that the clubs, um uh, that administratively they are not properly set up. Uh, most of the people are not fit for purpose. Yeah, they they
0: they no they, you know, they you see it's not it's not just about selling the players. Okay. Sometimes you're negotiating, you're negotiating the negoti negotiating negotiations can What about when you say players? To put up, yeah, when 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 you, when, you, when, you, when players move abroad, you put a sell-on clause in there. Exactly. And so they are income uh, they are seeing in future.
1: It's not that <laughs> even win for when it calls No, uh, but it's not even only that. The first problem is, if we're being sincere, how many of these clubs actually own those players? Whether we like it or not, third-party ownership is rife mm-hmm. in our football. Because I um, mean, I don't have any proof, but there are stories about. <laughs> the the trade that was just made don't let me mention names again uh we've mentioned the name here already that uh that money is not probably going to end be, up in, in private, private pockets. pockets because the player is not actually owned by the club that sold him that's that's a rumor circulating and making the rounds you know so that happens a lot it also means that the structures are not oh, the, structure the structures because, are not strong because enough. the guys that run our football allegedly also benefit from the racket so why would they want to put the system rights, when they benefit from racket. But the problem I have is if you put a system in place, if the system works, everybody, everybody, everybody will benefit. Everybody Unfortunately, our people b- are myopic. myopic I, feel that, yeah, I was going to say, look, myopic thinking. As we have structured it, we are just five and like or Like what I said, some of them won't even remember about the sell-on clause because they can see the green, the green, the green, yes. the green. immediately, and, and they want to collect that one. And, I mean, and nobody knows what? that. Maybe somewhere, 10 years down the line, might be making 20 times what you're making now. Yes. Because mm-hmm. what's to say, although I heard that uh, there's a sell-off clause on Anayo's deal. Mm-hmm. So what's to say Anayo doesn't move to Europe tomorrow for $10 million? Yeah. Whoever? No, I remember Actually, you know, even it. the developmental aspect. I remember. Oh, there's a training, there's training compensation. There's so, yes. When Mikel Obi moved to Chelsea for $16 million, Pepsi Academy in Nigeria got a win for because that's where it was developed. And i if I'm, if I remember correctly, that win was about 800, that was 5%, was about $800,000 for a $60 million move. So, you know, I, but as we round this up, I feel that until we put proper structures in place, for instance, importantly put structures in place about transfers, yes. about player ownership, about putting everything above board. Loan deals. All those, issues. all those loan deals. You know, once the structure—if the structures are as weak and as uh, as as shallow, as loose as they are—it's difficult to see any progress made along certain lines.
0: That, that, thats a fact. You, you just mentioned it's 800000 dollars now that somebody collected for for um, uh, for Mikhail's transfer. That money should have been an instant game changer for them. Right now, that that place, They, 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 they should have built something that will ensure that that academy turns out more Michael This
1: exactly been, that should
0: have brought more income in the future. But hey, here we are.
1: The are academies in Brazil that the only thing they do is develop players and sell to yeah. That's all they do. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't even play competitions. Mm. <laughs> they don't play, they're not set up as a football club, they're just set up as an uh, academy. And of course, we know about clubs like Ajax. And some clubs in the Premier League, Southampton and all that, that develop and they develop cheap. Or they buy cheap, develop and sell at a premium. And that's how. Okay, Uh we've talked about Super Eagles uh, not um, having an impact. Super Eagles' local appearance not having an impact on the local scene. And that has dovetailed into what we just discussed now. As the local scene hasn't really had any positive impact. There's not been any trickle-down or percolating effect of all this uh transfers. But let's go to climes where they are spending big money, although some of them have run into big trouble <laughs> by spending big money. The European transfer season as we speak is closing today. Transfer deadline day. Some moves might be might happen in the next few hours that we don't expect, but we feel that the transfer period, the silly season they call it, has been absolutely out of this world. This summer. It's been one unexpected story after, after <laughs> the other. So let's do like a chronology. Earlier in the transfer season, we saw Real Madrid captain, Sergio Ramos, not getting, uh, a renewal, going to PSG, who signed a lot of players on free transfers. Donnarumma, um, Wernaldo. I think they did. They pay anything for Akimi. Yeah, they paid 60 million. Okay. They pay for Akimi, but the biggest fish in the pond. They also got free. Now the Messi free. You remember we talked about Barcelona's bus bubble here about two, three episodes yeah. ago. You know, so Yemi, how has this transfer season been for you? It's been very interesting that, um, you know, particularly looking at the players have had to move on a free. Top of them, obviously, Lionel Messi. You have David Alaba moving from Bayern to Real Madrid, also free. Sergio Ramos from Real to PSG, free. One another from Liverpool to PSG, free. You know, those ones are the ones that have stood out, particularly because they were free transfers. But no one would have ever imagined that the two biggest players in world football today, the two biggest brands in world football today, and that's. Lennon Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo would even move clubs in the first instance. Mm. And no one would have thought that they would have moved clubs for less than $30 million combined. Combined. No one would have thought that that would happen. You know, Messi, we know how much it would cost to ordinarily sign him, whether he's in his 30s or not. And also, Ronaldo at 36, we know how much it would cost to ordinarily sign him. But with one year left... Disillusion with the team looking to move. I think those two transfers are two transfers that have potentially changed the scope the landscape. of the market. Mm. Um, There's a few big spending, you know, City buying Jack Grealish, United buying Sancho. You know, mm. those are also big deals. But those two mm. stood out. Okay, buddy, I worry for the future of football. I honestly feel, I mean, maybe I'm not an economist. I'm not an accountant. I really don't know how these figures work out or how they pan out. But I honestly feel that in football, um, the spendings that we're witnessing simply unsustainable. That's my view. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's a ton of money coming from somewhere. I do not know. Maybe they're covering their tracks with sponsorship monies and gate takings and all of that and shirt sales. I do not know. But a situation where players are going for a hundred million, ninety, eighty, and then you top that with wages, and as we saw with Barcelona, is there a danger that in the next few years the bubble would bust completely across the football pyramid? I
0: think we are seeing the tail end of this spending. Um, I remember it reached. It, it's a maybe. Maybe we are at the peak of it, but I think going forward, uh, we, are, we are going to we are going to see dial, dial back a bit. Uh, on, 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 on the, the, the only things we will likely be seeing would be flash spendings. Like, um, if uh, uh, if or when um uh uh middle Eastern money flows into Europe again via the purchase of one club. Um, remember um, when we talked about about um, uh, clubs and debts if, a few weeks back. We, we didn't know just how bad it was until, or, or we suspected it was that bad, but we didn't know um, uh, that it will force one of the best footballers in the world to move from from a club. From a club, we didn't think it will happen, but it has happened. And I do feel that um, uh, we we may be on the cusp of a collapse, like you said, because if FIFA, or, or, or if, if UEFA, if they, if they stand their ground and enforce the financial fair play rules, we find out that most of these clubs that hide um, these outrageous purchases under dummy acquisitions or the acquisitions and dummy, and, and, and d- dummy incomes, they, they will be unable to do it, and then you see them dialing back. We have, like, like I said, we have, we, have already, we, have already seen, we have already seen it happen with, uh, with Barcelona. And we have seen that even psd with all their money they did a lot more of um, of free transfers and the same thing so of uh, and the same thing uh, so, some top clubs in europe it is it is also important to note that the biggest spenders in this transfers, unless it has changed is Arsenal, which is highly unlikely the the uh, the, the one of the one, one of the clubs that know that that, that 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 as she said with no spending, and that tells you that if it's not Real Madrid that is that are the highest spenders, if it's not Manchester, Manchester City, it's not United, it's it's not, um, it's not Bayern Munich, it means that already there's a dialing back, and so more and more we are going to see teams managing the resources they have, and yes, I do think that we are seeing the last days of our previous spending days.
1: But I mentioned Arsenal. Arsenal have been so far, as we speak, the biggest spenders. Somebody might trump that in the next few hours. We don't yeah, know. But, don't know. having said that though, you have to say that the business their London rivals Chelsea have done oh. has been extremely smart and effective. they spent money but if you check their net spend is virtually... I think they are... I think they are with the, with the sale of Zuma to West Ham. I think they are now in the blue, not in the red, even though they brought in uh, Lukaku. Lukaku for almost a 100 million pounds. But you check their next spend, the business has been so probably... So would you say that they've done the best business in this transfer window? They have done the business business in this transfer window because just look at the <laughs> the amount of money they were able to extract from some players. You and I probably don't know. Yeah. <laughs> They've extracted some really, really humongous sums on players who haven't even played for, you mm. know, the proper Chelsea side. Mm. And that for me is just stuff of genius. Stuff of genius in managing your books, you know, raising expectation and being able to market a player, making that player marketable enough for the club to cough out mm. Some, mm. some good money. So you really have to give them credit for that. their, their, their team looks like, Probably the most balanced team in the league today. Maybe aside City, they look like the most balanced team today. They've spent, and they're probably still going to spend mm. um, in the final hours of the, but they look, and they've been. It's not just one off; they've been doing it consistently, consistently. over the mm-hmm. last few years. That you know they're they're able to avoid that tag of people saying Chelsea just spending, spending, spend. but that also. Receiving a mm, truckload of you know, money on the other side. One thing is to spend one thing is to spend wisely. So, buddy, Manchester United, uh Jadon Sancho, um what's Varan, Varane, and of course the big fish Cristiano Ronaldo. All this for over a hundred million pounds, well over a hundred million pounds. Um, has that been good business? Or we still will have to wait and see.
0: I think you have, to, you have to wait and see. You, you, you know every club has done good business until, uh, until the until last days of the season, when you see in, in terms of trophy and league positioning. But uh, DG, you, you see, one thing that I like about clubs like United and Chelsea is that life is... Like, when we are talking about 4 we we're talking about, about academies. Chelsea laid the foundation for this, like Yemi yeah. said, a long time ago. Yeah. Some of those players still haven't played for Chelsea. They are players that they acquired when they are young for not a lot, not a lot of money. Pump them out, and now they are ripping. And I think that's one of the, but well, that's that's one of the things that Aston Villa are doing now by like, buying up almost all the best young players in Europe.
1: I just in knew future, that would come up. Right <laughs> I, I knew <laughs> after Villa would crop up at some point. I was sure of that.
0: <laughs> no, but hey, hey, look, all, all you need to do is if, if it's not a fact, just tell me it's not true. Yeah, but that's what Villa doing. Yeah, but the Villa just kept the 17-year-old in the so for me, I think it, it, it's all about long-term planning. And I think Chelsea smelled the coffee early. Now they are Clubs like Manchester. Now I think they, they, are, um, they, they, are, they are united also. United, are, united have been doing this for years. No matter how much United spend, you see three or four players from the academy come through. Yeah. And some of them are, will, will, will be sold. So look, that has got to be the future of football. And I think a lot of teams, uh, if they are not doing it right now, I'm sure they're thinking about doing it. Because I think, at some point, and I don't think it started, you have to dial back on the spending and start doing business in the smart way by developing your own players.
1: Yeah, I me? Mean, most expensive footballer in the history of uh, English or British football? Jack Grealish, 100 million pounds. I I don't know. Like Again, I like to be humble and say, I'm not a coach. I don't pretend to know one Hundreds or one thousandth of the thing that Guardiola knows. But I actually felt like, could that money have been better spent on the striker? Because creating chances is not really the problem. With problem. I felt they created enough chances. Jack Grealish will create more chances than he will score goals, yeah. my view. So, would you have said that 100 million on Jack Grealish or 150 million on Hurricane if you have to make one of the two? Because we know that now Hurricane. Has stayed back, but you still get the feeling that city. Well, we don't know whether they have something up their sleeve tonight, but you still get the feeling that city still needs somebody. Although they play the they've scored five five goals, they play the Fourth nine. nine, but we have seen in critical games, champions League final, uh, charity and but community shield, shield where they lost one-nil, one-nil critically. That at times, um, that lack of a figurehead or a spearhead in front can affect them. What do you think? Um. You know how I feel about the way City's transfer deals this uh, summer's been. I felt it's been lazy. I felt it's been somewhat predictable that they kind of tilted in one direction. And that direction is, look, we have two big players on the market in this transfer window. One is Jack Grealish and the other is Harry Now, I want to get them both. I want to get them both. Why? Because the chances are other teams are Probably circling. Now, Jagrish had been linked to Manchester United like all Mm. his life. Hurricane United has a good history of buying sports' best players. Mm. So then I said, "Look, why don't we try and get Grilish and stop United, who were top points winners last season?" So you felt that the strategy was more of deny my rivals, deny my rivals an opportunity to close the gap on me. This is what I feel. Now, if I was running City and I've gone all the way for a Kane because they need a striker, like it or not, they need a striker. And Kane in that team, with the amount of chances that we'll, they will they will create for was, him, who cracked thirty goals, easy. And knowing that they're going to be dealing with Levy who packs a punch when it comes to negotiating, they would have gone with their full budget, leave mm-hmm. Jagielis and Aston Villa. Because, yes, he adds something a little you know what, extra. The team that has uh, De Bruyne, that has uh, the Algerian winger, Mares, they, Mares, they do create, create chances, lots so, of chances already. Unless you are listening to the English media that will tell you that Grealish uh, signing for them, it will attract more fouls, it will whatever. <laughs> that, for me, is start, Bangladesh. Start I would have put all my money on Hurricane. If you had thrown 200 million... Pounds and I'm sure I will take it. Yeah. Easy. But uh, your thoughts on... Um, I don't know whether I should ask for this. <laughs> picture. Your thoughts on your good friends, Arsenal. They spend a lot of money, but you struggle to look at what player can really make a difference for Arsenal in the Premier League. I struggle... Is it Odegaard? Is it Ben White defensively? Is it, it Tavares? Is it uh... Ramsdale? Ramsdale? No it... You struggle, it looks like those... there has not been what you call an impactful signing. We may be wrong on the long run even though they've had a terrible start but who knows, City had a terrible start last season see what happens. So, who knows but it looks to me like maybe lightweight is the word to use in terms of the transfers they've made. The, the,
0: the, the part is that Aston fans might not agree but um, they have lost their layer that attracts big players um when when, when a team is struggling a certain level of a certain level of certain levels of players will not want to go there and as a villa fan i can relate there are some players that have not wanted to stand this season and, the, and those players and, the, 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 and those players said nah not villa you know despite the fact that they could see that there's money and there's willingness to build but the fact is that as far as they are concerned, as a villa or a mid-level club. And truth be told, Villa and uh, Arsenal, last season, the, last season, like, like somebody told me, they, they are in the same WhatsApp group. They are the same things. And so when when you are in that WhatsApp group, some players will not even think about coming to you. And that is what Arsenal have to that, that's what Arsenal fans have to be afraid of. And just like as I many the past two seasons, they've got a fight on their hands. The players that they have, they're going to throw everything that they have in that heart, and they that they get to the top four, top six. However, the vicious cycle is that this player still thinks they're playing at a big club, and I see them not giving 100%. And as long as you get onto the mindset, we, 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 get on the pitch with the mindset that, oh, once you show up here, we'll just win. Which is not true. They're going to get beat, or get draws and give that, you should win. And we maintain where you are in that middle position. And you see, most of our teams sense that, hey, we can go to this place and get a win. Or when you lose the fear factor, clubs will come at you. Arsenal yeah. have lost the fear factor. And because, look, it's, it's several layers, like you said earlier. The the top-rated uh, top players are not coming to Arsenal. Or, or for all the noise about other Odegaard. Odegaard, Odegaard was a reject. Whether I want to accept it or not. And so, once he lose that fear factor, and clubs start feeling, hey, we are mates now. Uh, <laughs> look, there was a time that any, any time Villa wants to play Arsenal, I am scared because I know what will happen. It's not so anymore. Now, um, I, I want them to come <laughs> because I know they are going to get
1: beat. You know, confidence.
0: <laughs> that's how far Arsenal, Arsenal has fallen. Mm. Oh, yes. And so, I think for them to get to where they were before, they got they've they got to be willing to do bootless things, mm. spend more money, get rid of the coach. they got because sometimes players also play they go to, they go for the coach. When they go, oh so they have hired that coach, that, yeah. and that's why I feel again. Sorry, I have to bring Villa in. That's why I feel that Villa go to the stock where they are, because some players will not come to Villa as long as they speak is the coach. Whether they whether other villa fans agree or not, whether I you don't know, think you know small coach, small club, and that mm. is that. But get a coach that has a name. Coach some players will show up just because it is that coach that is there. Okay. Quickly. And so for Arsenal also, that yeah, is a problem. Yeah,
1: I mean, let's round up um, one one key move that we didn't expect: mean, um, Abraham to Roma, and he's doing very well for Jose Mourinho mm. uh, over the first two games. And then um, Bayern Munich, <laughs> top of the league in the Bundesliga. Second was RB Leipzig. What does Bayern Munich do? They take Leipzig's manager. Their captain and their top central defender. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you call serious oppression. That's wicked. We That's what Bayern have done. Bayern have shown that they run the rule in the Bundesliga. They are the top dogs, and they can get away with anything. Mm. Tommy, Tommy has been good. Mm. Uh, first game, two assists. Second game, scored a really good goal. Yeah. I think he's really integrated well into this team, and of course. Like every Jose Mourinho team, it likes a tall, big striker. It's very difficult to know what what might work or what's going to work when it comes to transfers. You just identify players you feel will fit into your style or your system or or some players drop into your lap and you buy them and all that. But we have to see over the course of the season who has done the best business. You leave us to say PSG has done the best business, Chelsea or Man U or whoever, but it is the results at the end of the season that will determine who indeed has done the best business in this transfer season as the window. I'd like to see that window though. As the window <laughs> gets to tonight. All right, I'd like to thank you for joining us on Sports360 podcast for this week. Sports360 pod. That's our Instagram address. You can go there. Instagram handle, you can go there, sports360 pod. All the former episodes, everything you want to know about sports360 is there. Uh Thanks to Bode and Yemi for always giving very, very good, incisive insights into all of our topics. This week has been all football, interestingly. I think that's the first time we've done that on Sports 360 Pod. But next we'll be back with some more exciting and interesting topics for you. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye.